Thanks for joining us today on The Sword and the Trowel. Today, Graham and I talk about something that's very dear to our hearts. Uh, Graham is a young father. I'm an old grandfather, and we're going to be talking about children, particularly children in church, and more specifically about children in our times of gathered worship. Uh, the Bible is very clear about the value of children, uh, the, the way that they are gifts of God, and the stewardship that we have to train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We want to especially thank our Founders Alliance members for their faithful contribution, prayers for this ministry. It's because of their support that we're able to produce this kind of content and make it available to you. If you'd like to become a regular partner with Founders, we encourage you to go to founders.org and look at the Founders Alliance membership and come on board, partner with us as we try to proclaim the grace of God and the gospel to the generations to come. Welcome to the Sword and Trowel. The Sword and Trowel is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to have you join us today because we are talking about something that's near and dear to our hearts as pastors, as fathers, and I can speak now as a grandfather, and that is we want to talk about children, and more specifically, about the place of children and families in the life of a local church, and maybe even more particularly, what should that look like in gathered times of worship on the Lord's Day? Mm -hmm. And uh, Graham, we've spent a lot of time as elders here at Grace Baptist Church discussing this and trying to be clear in our own thinking about what does the Word of God instruct us to do and where are the parameters. We don't think there's a, you know, A, B, C, D, this is what you have to do, but there are certainly clear principles guidelines and, and guardrails that we mm-hmm. don't want to overcome. And uh, you have the opportunity of now raising three little ones. Your mm-hmm. oldest boy is four. four years old. Littlest is seven months. Seven months. So, man, mm-hmm. you've uh, you've got them every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, in My wife's got them every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> she does a very good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's the way it was with me as well um, when our kids were little. But we're, you're living this. We've lived through it. And our church is living it now. We've got uh, somebody told me we had like 150 kids that are regular in the uh, time. Right, and we're not a church of like a thousand. Or no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of kids and it's wonderful to see, but it gets messy and sometimes it gets loud mm-hmm. in the worship services. And we've had people um, wonder, you know, why do you do this? How do you do this? We've had people say you shouldn't do this. And mm-hmm. uh, even pastor friends, you know, I've had conversations with, they, they see it differently and see children in the service as maybe being a disruption or not being good for the children mm-hmm. because they need something on their own level. Uh, so there's any number of uh, ways of approaching this, but we've we've come down with what we believe to be a pretty principled approach. Mm-hmm. It's something we've implemented, been doing it now for a long, long time. And uh, in one way, among our elders, you're kind of at the point on this. And so uh, you, you stand up when you Typically, not always, but typically you'll do the welcome mm-hmm. in our uh, Sunday morning times of worship. And as a part of that, almost without fail, you'll say something about children yeah. in the service. So why don't you, why don't you just say, say what you say? You well, know? first off, I think it's really important, I think, in our worship services to say it pretty much every week, just because when you look at the demographic of our church, I mean, we got so many young children. Mm-hmm. I mean, just bursting at the seams with kids and we have a hard time even finding space for them. Right. Um, but yeah, typically I, I tell 
the church, I announced that we have a nursery for people who need to use it. And so for those with little kids, if your kids get noisy, uh, you can take them to that nursery. But encouraging the parents to, to if, if you can, keep your children in the worship service because mm-hmm. it's a wonderful opportunity to teach our children how important the worship of God is. Mm-hmm. It is a serious and solemn time. Uh, that is devoted to prayer and listening to the word and reciting the word and the confessions and and singing. Um, and so it's just a wonderful opportunity to train children from their earliest years how important the worship of God and what the worship of God looks like and to show them how important it is to mom and dad mm-hmm. that we worship God mm-hmm. this way. Yeah, So and you do that really well whenever, and you, you speak as an insider, you know, you're yes. doing this, I'm facing this. and so I often, just about every week, I have to take my children out for being noisy or because they have to go to the bathroom. And yeah. then about every week after the service and after greeting guests and things like that, I go and get the vacuum and I vacuum. <laughs> up all the crumbs from the graham crackers and all that yeah so it's uh it's good i mean that that helps in our context with young families that come in they got kids and they're nervous and mm-hmm. then they say oh wait a minute you know one of the pastors here at the church is in the same situation and uh it, it can be disarming but we do this by conviction and when you, you mentioned the nursery it's an unstaffed nursery right so we just have space available and now i think we've added a couple of extra rooms as well for nursing mothers and mm-hmm. maybe uh, they're, they're dividing it maybe just recently between infants and and toddlers so if you've got Children of different ages, you can go to these rooms mm-hmm. or whatever. We, but the parents need to stay with them. You know, a parent or a guardian needs to stay with them. And and again, we do this by conviction because we believe that it's it's right and good, and we think it's better mm-hmm. for children to be in a worship service with their parents than to be separated from them. Mm-hmm. We're not throwing stones at churches that do it differently, yeah. but this is a conviction that we have. And because of that, it's made us have to do things in a certain way that you wouldn't have to think about mm-hmm. if you don't have little ones in the service. Yeah. One of the um, things that people often consider is how distracting children can be. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I remember having a conversation um, with one of our families who previously had been in a very fundamentalist church, and there was an immense amount of amount of guilt placed upon parents if their children were noisy in the service. Because if your children are noisy in the service, they're going to distract people who could otherwise hear the gospel. That's right. Therefore, you got to get your kids out of the service so that it doesn't distract from the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. Um, but then you have to think to yourself, what about my children? Is it important for them to hear the gospel as well? And, and in fact, as their parents, it is my responsibility to ensure that they are able to hear the gospel on a regular basis in my efforts to disciple them. Yeah. And some people will counter that with saying, well, of course, and that's why we have Children's Church, because they can get the gospel on their level. Mm-hmm. And uh, Children's Church can be done better or worse. And, you know, I know cases on both extremes of those mm-hmm. uh, from uh, situations that I, I have been um, uh, close to. And, you know, the worst is, man, just either pure entertainment or pure manipulation. The best is, no, you're really trying to get the Word of God in these kids and you're trying to help them to think about things that are vital and even preparing them, knowing that the day is coming when they're going to transition out of children's church into adult church. But we've just taken a different course here. And uh, uh, people, doesn't happen too much to me anymore, but there, there was a time when regularly, you know, I would get a question of, do you have children's church? And I got tired of just having to defend everything. So I started saying, well, yes, we do. Oh, good. When does it meet? So it meets at the same time as the uh, regular 
church service does. Oh, where does it meet? Meets in the same place. You know, we want our children to be in the worship service with us. And it's by conviction. You see this. And there's a both Old and New Testament examples that give some foundation for what we do. One is in Nehemiah, whenever he is reading the law, calling the people to account as they return to Jerusalem. And it says the young ones were there. And they were there for hours gathered mm-hmm. on that occasion. Then in the New Testament, you have Colossians and Ephesians, where Paul specifically addresses children to obey their parents, and those letters would have been read in times of gathered worship. And so Paul expected the children to be there to hear mm-hmm. apostolic instruction being given to them. But kids can be distracting. Yeah. They can get loud. Yeah. And uh, one of the things we've done to help with that is we tell parents, look, if they get loud, take them out. You know, mm-hmm. we don't 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 sit there and be embarrassed to get up and walk uh, out and, and deal with them in, in ways that you might need to deal with them. But another thing we've said and tried to help our congregation and, and our folks do a pretty good job of this. We just have to kind of re-up it periodically is whenever you hear a, cry, a, a child cry, every fiber in your body wants to turn and look <laughs> and see the source of it. Well, the parent who's already feeling self-conscious now feels multiple times that amount of self-consciousness because the whole congregation is looking at them. So we've just told our folks, look, discipline yourself. That when a child cries, don't turn your head. Yeah, Don't turn your head. And for the most part, our Mm -hmm. folks do that. And uh, again, we have to be reminded periodically. And that's a a good thing. And then a, a second thing that we've encouraged our folks to do is look, if you don't have kids or even if you have kids and they're older or you've been down that road before and you see parents who are attempting it and maybe they're struggling, man, maybe they've been up and down a dozen times or maybe their kids have, have uh, disrupted things and they're feeling horrible after the service or later in the week, contact them and say, man, way to do it. Way to go. Mm -hmm. Stay the course. You're doing a good job. And encourage them and let them know that they're in a place that buys into this. Right. We want this. Yeah, every every cry that we hear during the service is just a reminder of God's grace and blessings to us. Because every child that is in the worship service with us is a gift from God to us. That's right. Uh, you know, Proverbs one twenty seven tells us pretty clearly that children are a heritage from the Lord. You know, they are arrows that um, and blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Yeah. And so every child is a gift from God and even if they do become a distraction uh, in the service. It's just a distraction that's a result of God's gift. Yeah, amen, amen. And we, we shouldn't want such a professional setting that real life makes it difficult to uh, to fulfill it. You know, mm-hmm. no, these are these are sinners coming together and uh, many of those sinners will have little kids and they're sinners too. Mm-hmm. And we're all there by the grace of God and we're all there for the glory of God. And that's going to, to not look pristine right? in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's going to get messy. And that, I mean, that also is the, the challenge for the parent with the young child is like they're, there is a time to take your child out. Absolutely. It's, you know, we, we talk about family integrated worship is kind of how the, the phrase people use to describe this. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, the child <laughs> should just scream and you should discipline them right there in the yeah. service. I mean, you got to take them out and hopefully your church has a place where you can take your children to one pro tip that, that 
my wife and I learned fairly early on with our first. We only have about a six to a 12 month period of time in which we actually will take them to the nursery because they learn very quickly. If I'm noisy in church, <laughs> I, get rewarded. I get to go to the nursery, play with all the toys. Don't have to listen to that guy. So, <laughs> so once they learn that, then we will take them out, but we won't take them to the nursery. Yeah. That's, a, that's just a pro tip my wife and I have learned. Take it or leave it. Thank you for joining us for this conversation today on the Sword and the Trial concerning children in church. I just wanted to make you aware of one of the hidden jewels in our library here at Founders Press. You can see we have a lot of different titles that we do at Founders, uh, but one that we've been we've had in stock for a long time is Life in the Body of Christ's Privileges and Responsibilities in the Local Church. This is written by Curtis Thomas, and we've had it on our shelves for a long time, but we are actually doing a new hardcover edition because, like I said, it is one of those kind of hidden treasures that we have. You can order that now, pre-order it at press.founders.org. Uh, a lot of great commendations regarding this book. J.I. Packer said, quote, like the Bible, this book should be read once a year and concerned often, not only by Baptists, but wherever strong life in Christ is the congregation's goal. Some volumes merit rave reviews. This simple, down-to-earth publication is one of them. And there's other commendations by Jerry Bridges and others. Uh, it's just a simple book that uh, instructs believers how to honor God as church members. How should I live as a church member in my local church? So we would highly recommend that you pick up a copy of this, again, at press.founders.org. Another thing that uh, we learned is when I came to the church, we had a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and they had children's church, and there weren't but maybe four or five kids that they picked up from the community that would they would take in, and uh, it wasn't done very well. There were some really sweet people that were trying to do it, but they were doing just what they'd been told to do, not what they knew to do. And so uh, we had already decided early on when Sarah was just an infant, we took her with us to worship. So our kids never went to any kind of worship uh, uh, or children's church or anything like that. We just, this is how we operated. And so we didn't change when we mm -hmm. came and that created some controversy with the way church had done it, you know, and we weren't doing it that way. And we had to navigate all that. But over time, we wound up with six kids. And over time, my wife would usually sit up on the front row or very close to the front so that, you know, daddy's eyes are on them because I'm up front leading most of the time. And um, whenever she would have to take a child out, well, you know, it's a disruptive child. She'd take the child out, correct the child, bring the child back. And what we discovered over the next several years, these young families are coming into the congregation or having children, is that whenever the child would act up, the mom would take the child out and, you know, correct the child and, or do whatever needs to be done and then come back. And so we were doing, uh, we were doing a parenting seminar or something, and I said, you know, why, why are the guys, why are you letting your wives do this? And they said, well, that's what you and Donna do. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm preaching, you know, I'm, I'm kind of preoccupied here. And so it just took some education of uh, something that we had not even been conscious conscious about uh, to help people see it. But once mm -hmm. they see it, once they buy into it, and they realize, okay. This is going to be a journey. This is going to take time. It's a process. I used to say to guys regularly to young families, look, count on 200 worship services, just 200 worship services before your toddler begins to get it and learn how yep. to stay relatively quiet and mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the time of worship. So you can do that Sunday morning, Sunday night for a year 
if you're consistent, or you can do that for two years if you're just doing it Sunday morning. Or if you're inconsistent, it might take you five or six years, right. and you may never get there because you're not consistent. And one thing I've learned as well is it takes a little bit longer with the older ones than it does with the younger ones because the younger ones get to look at what the older ones do in the worship service and right. they kind of learn from them. That's well. exactly right. And part of this has kind of been a uh, an intentional rejection of um, youth group ministry strategies. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, our church doesn't have a youth group, and again, no no uh, pointing the fingers at churches that do, but we've intentionally rejected that model of ministry because we don't want to imply that there's a different faith for younger people. Right. Um, that there's kind of Christianity light, and then if you if you decide you want to start taking it seriously, then you can come enter in with us. Yeah. That's just not the way that the Christian religion works. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the last youth conference that we did, we did in-house in our church because we we'd gone to youth conferences before and there's there's a lot of value a lot of good things mm-hmm. that can come out of that and, and grateful for the good things that we experienced but the last one we did the theme was we're not the youth group we're the church mm-hmm. and it was just okay look you're being raised in this church uh you are here and we're expecting you to be a part of who we are though yep. you know you may not be a christian yet but if you're going to participate with us, know that we're Christians. This is a Christian church. This is how we live together. This is how we act. And we're going to be evangelizing you to come to Christ so that you can rightfully take your place among us. And, and that's been a good thing. Um, again, there, I'm not suggesting that churches that do it otherwise are doing bad things. But as we've tried to search the scriptures, we've found good reasons to do it the way we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like the nursery. Uh, we had a staffed nursery, I think, up for three or four-year-old kids up until 2020. Mm-hmm. And with COVID and everything shutting down, you know, as like a lot of churches, we just had worship services for well over a year. Well, we didn't have any Sunday school classes or small group classes uh, that met at all until we finally kind of got back up to speed and began to slowly uh, reincorporate, and we still haven't gone back to everything we did. We may never go back mm-hmm. to everything we did. But one of the things we didn't do is we didn't incorporate a staffed nursery after that, and it was working pretty well. And we just kept it that way. And here's here's an added benefit: is you're not taking anybody out of the worship service to staff the nursery, mm-hmm. so you don't have to have a rotation of a set number of adults. And the more kids you get, the more adults you're going to have to have for that it's parents Mm -hmm. it's parents and there's an incentive for parents to get their children to the point where they can sit through a worship service so that they can sit there with them Mm -hmm. another benefit for uh, shepherding young families is whenever you have a young family whose children are consistently unable to sit through a worship service and are uh, significantly disruptive and all things being equal. I mean, they're special needs kids and mm-hmm. they're special seasons and sicknesses and things like that. I'm just talking about a normal circumstance. Whenever you've got a, a, a mom and a dad uh, who have a, a child and that child is consistently disruptive and the, the parents are consistently frustrated, well, you, you may have a parenting issue there. Mm-hmm. You may have some a, a need and an opportunity to help shepherd that dad, that mom, in what it means to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we've discovered that, and so we've been able to engage uh, as elders to help people in situations that we wouldn't have known about mm-hmm. otherwise if they had just been putting their kids in a children's church or something. That would have never been manifested in the congregation. Yeah. And more often than not, 
that those kinds of things take place, that kind of discipleship takes place uh, like this with other families, other couples. Mm-hmm. And it, I can't tell you the number of times we've had new families come in with young ch- children. They see all the children and you know, not perfect, but they're sitting there and then, and they do it and they begin to ask questions. You know, they'll go as they make friends and say, how do you do this? You know, mm-hmm. what, what, what do you do? I mean, you know, do you bring goldfish? You know, what do you, you bring books? What do you, mm-hmm. crayons? What do you allow them to do? Or what do you not allow them to do? How do you do it? And it's just discipleship. Yeah. And it's, it's very, very healthy. And we, we believe that it's a, a good way to minister God's grace to children. We wanted to take a moment to remind you that the National Founders Conference is coming up this next January 2024. The rates will be increasing in the coming weeks, and we have some exciting news that's coming soon regarding the National Founders Conference. It's always a wonderful time of fellowship and soaking in great preaching from great preachers, and the Lord blesses us every year. But this year, uh, the conference is January 18th through the 20th, and the theme is Remembering Jesus Christ. So Tom Askell will be one of our speakers, Comrade and Bay. Anyway, we'll be there. Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, Travis Allen. Again, we have some exciting announcements uh, regarding the conference coming soon. You can register for the conference at founders.org slash conference, and we'd love to see you there. I've had the, um, the argument brought against it, saying, well, they don't understand everything that's going on in the service. Yeah. Well, most adults don't either. (laughs) Are we going to use that as a criteria? (laughs) You're you're making little hypocrites. Yeah. Because they don't believe it. Maybe they don't believe it. You're going to make them sing those songs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to make them pray those prayers? Yeah. What do you say to that? Well, I don't think it makes hypocrites. Even say they don't believe it. Uh, There is still a natural duty that every single human being has to worship God. Um, You know, we talk, talk about the Ten Commandments. Uh, do you require your children to not lie? What if they don't believe that lying is wrong? What if they don't believe that you know God created heaven and earth and created them and they owe him all obedience? Are you still going to require that they not lie? Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to require that they not lie. And I'm also going to require that they obey the first and second commandments as well, uh, that they worship God. You know, our, um, our confession in chapter 22, paragraph 3, uh, talks about how um, praying to God is a part of natural worship. So there's a there's a category called natural worship. Is is that all men know innately that there is a Creator and they ought to worship Him. Mm-hmm. Now the manner in which they worship, they may not know that because that hasn't been revealed to them. Um, it says that all men owe God natural worship, and prayer is a part of that natural worship. Uh, but prayer is not accepted unless it's given in the name of the Son and through the Spirit. And so. Even for a pagan, they're required to pray. Absolutely. And I would encourage them to pray. But their prayers will not be accepted except for through Christ and given by the, by the Spirit. And, and wouldn't you require that on every other commandment of God as well? Mm-hmm. People Absolutely. are required not to murder. They're required to uh, mm-hmm. worship the true and living God. They're required to obey their parents. Are mm-hmm. those things accepted as righteousness mm-hmm. for God by no. unbelievers? No. no. They're not, not meritorious, but they are still required. They're required. And they only become... Uh, acts of righteousness in Christ. Mm-hmm. They're accepted by God in Christ. Right. And so even though the they're in no way meriting God's favor, they're still obligatory. Mm-hmm. And we see that, you know, we have to see that mm-hmm. in all of the ways that God has instructed us to live together. And that's certainly true for our children. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we make a big deal about catechizing our children as well. 
Uh, I think my oldest, my four-year-old's up to question 43 in the catechism. Does he in the truth under- and grace memory. In the truth right. and grace memory. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, great catechism, by the way. Uh, does he understand, you know, when I ask him, what is this, what is this change of heart called? And he says, regeneration. Does he understand what that means? You know, he, he, one of the questions, you know, can, can anyone be righteous before God? He says, no, no one is fit. No one is, can fit into heaven, which <laughs> no one is fit to enter into heaven without yeah. Christ. Um, does he understand all that? No, but there will come a day where he does Absolutely. understand it. And he has all of this data, all of this information stored in the memory bank so that when the lights begin to turn on, it's there for him mm. to, to access readily. Um, and that is such a gift to Amen. give to your children. Amen. I, we used to look at it like this with our kids as we were just laying wood on the altar. We're putting mm-hmm. the wood on the altar. Every catechism question, every Bible verse is just wood on the altar waiting for the fire of God to come. And mm-hmm. when it comes, it has something to consume. Yeah. There's truth there that gets to be enlightened by the Spirit. And uh, we, you've seen it. I mean, we've, we've seen it in our church. You can see it historically where children have made tremendous advances as God's regenerating grace has come to them, and they have been catechized. Mm-hmm. They have been taught the, the Word of God. And that's what we want. We, mm-hmm. we, we desire for our children to, to come to understand as much as they're capable of, of what God has revealed as soon as possible. One time Spurgeon, who spent a lot of time with his grandparents, they, they helped raise him. And he was there uh, one spring in Stamborn, I think it was, with his grandparents. And he saw up on the mantle of their fireplace a glass bottle with an apple inside of it. And so he was an inquisitive little boy, and so he goes and he looks at it, and he expects to find a seam in the bottle because he thinks, well, they had to you know, put the apple in there, then build the bottle around it. He said, but there was no seam. He said it just remained a, a puzzle to him. And they, I don't remember when that was, but he went back in the spring, and he goes through the apple orchard of his grandfather, and he sees on these trees these bottles that are tied around these little apples. And he said, ah, then I remembered, I, I recognized what was going on. The apple grows inside the bottle mm-hmm. so that when it's big, it can't escape. Mm-hmm. He said, that's what we must do with our children. We must so fill them with the word of God and surround them with the word of God that as they grow, they are captured mm-hmm. by that word. They can never escape it. Yeah, and this is the ordinary means by which God saves his people. There there are wonderful means by which a person not raised in a in the church, not raised in a Christian home, is, hears the gospel proclaimed and the spirit of God it, it quickens him and he is repents and trusts in Christ. Um, but ordinarily, you know, it's just through the regular preaching of the gospel to people who have grown up in the church. Um, I think over the this past generation, my generation, probably the generation before that, I think we lost a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we in the kind of the youth group culture and the children's church culture, we so tried to bring the um, teachings of scripture down to the level of little people without much understanding that uh, we've wa- we watered it down and we didn't give them enough. Right. And they right. grew up not having enough. And they c- came to understand the things of this age, the things of this world compared to compared it to the things that they had been given. And they said, this isn't enough. Right. Yeah. And, and so they go after the things of this world. And we need to not, we need, we need to not be skimpy with the things that we give our children. Amen. You know, we recite the apostles creed every Sunday morning and the mm-hmm. Nicene creed right now we're doing that on Sunday nights. And uh, recently, uh, sometimes the, on Sunday nights, if I'm not preaching, I'll be sitting with my wife and some of the grandkids will come sit with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently one of the 
my five-year-old uh, grandchild was sitting with us reciting the Nicene Creed, mm. you know, and I, I mean, it just all I could do to keep from just weeping mm -hmm. at God's kindness, you know, yeah. and to hear our children reciting these wonderful truths. They don't understand them, yeah. but boy, it's getting inside of them. Mm -hmm. and if it gets inside of them, that can be fuel that the spirit uses to quicken them. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of Psalms that the older I've gotten have become increasingly precious to me. Psalm 78, uh, Don and I worked through this a lot when we had children. Um, David here is calling to children. He says, we will not hide these truths that our fathers have told us from their children, but will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, the wonders he's done. And so he says, the, the, God's established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should yet set their hope in God and not forget his works, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. That multi-generational vision mm -hmm. we teach so that our children who are taught will teach their children so that they will teach their children. And this is the vision. This is what we want for uh, the rising generations to recognize it's not about them. Uh, it's about Christ, and we want to see Christ faithfully proclaimed to every generation that's coming. Uh, the one that's become increasingly significant to me over these last years is Psalm 71. Uh, this is a psalm of, of praying to God not to be forsaken in old age. Verse 9 says, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. And, man, I, that's, a, that's a regular prayer <laughs> for me now. Mm. But then he goes on. He says, Oh, God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh, God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to those who are yet to come. And mm -hmm. I think this is this is what we're doing yeah. in our times of worship. We are, not, and not just the preacher, not just the ones that are leading the service, but the whole congregation. Mm -hmm. As we worship God, we are a testimony to the rising generation that there's a God in heaven. He gave up his son for sinners, and this God is worth worshiping. Mm -hmm. He is worth singing. He's worth praying. He's worth giving. He's worth receiving his word. Mm -hmm. So if you have children in your family, man, teach them to worship. If you have children in your church, set an example for them and show them that the God that we know in Christ Jesus is worthy of your worship and be an example to them of what it looks like to wholeheartedly engage in worship. Don't, don't just go through the motions and God forbid, don't just sit there, but recognize that you are an active participant, not only in worshiping God, but in teaching the generation to come to know the Lord. Well, Praise God for children in the church and what a great opportunity it is to have them. What a great stewardship it is to try to serve them well. Thanks for joining us today on The Sword and the Trowel. If we can do anything for you at Founders Ministries, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. It'd be our joy to try to serve you. And until next time, Lord bless you and watch over you. Why are we here? 
What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is forgetting. We, we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church. Christ is supreme overall. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. to advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024, as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.